Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. It is okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset with the way things are, but at some point you have to stand up and you have to do something about it. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here's your host, your guide, Roar, 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 roar. Welcome back, friends, to another edition of Lions of Liberty. No, it's not Gary Johnson anymore, (laughs) our special guest host from last week. And no, if you haven't heard last week's show, it was not the real Gary Johnson. Please don't get too excited. It was even better. It was my impression of Gary Johnson in our fabulous Halloween special. We really did have a blast. I am still recovering a little bit from that. But if you somehow missed it, be sure to go ahead and check out episode 319. Just should be a, just a couple ticks back there in your podcast feed. But this is not 319. This is episode 320. Made it a whole nother week to this one. You can find today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 320. And before I get to today's guest, I want to make sure you guys know about our amazing sponsors at Health Excellence Plus. This is an incredible free market alternative to your standard corporate health insurance. I implore you to head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health to learn more. My guest today is the founder and treasurer of the Better Money Pack a political action committee which aims to assist political candidates who support cryptocurrencies, free markets, and fiscal responsibility. I'm pleased to welcome Connor Dragotis. Connor, are you ready to roar? Ready to roar, ready to go. How's it going, Mark? It's going great, man. I'm glad to uh, talk to you. I've heard quite a bit about your pack in the last few weeks, so I figured, hey, why don't I bring you on and find a little bit more about what's going on with this thing. But before we get into that, I want to get a little bit more into what makes you tick, find out just how you first became interested in politics and how you became a libertarian. Absolutely. First, thank you so much for having me on. I'm such a huge fan. This is, uh, you know, Felony Friday and just every single week I got this thing coming to my phone. So I'm just really pumped up to be on the program. Well, that's awesome to hear because I, we definitely like compliments and praise. So you're, you're, you're earning points quickly. We're very <laughs> simple creatures here, us lions. <laughs> Well, I mean, hey, that's what I'm here for. I thought you just brought me on the program to give compliments, and then eventually if we get to anything else, it would just be a bonus, right? That oh, that was the main good. idea, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Well, yeah, I uh, actually got into politics initially back in 2009. I was an undergraduate at Lafayette College in Pennsylvania, in Easton, Pennsylvania. I started hearing a lot about this guy, Gary Johnson. And for me, I thought, Every time that I heard him speak, he just made a lot of sense. A lot of his ideas, a lot of his principles just made a lot of sense to me personally. So I did the natural thing that any college student would do is I actually called his office and said, hi, I would love to have Gary Johnson come and speak on campus. (laughs) You just went right for it, huh? They, I I have no idea what they were thinking. Uh, They (laughs) flew him across the country and had him come and speak at Lafayette College. And for me, it just opened the doors to politics, to libertarianism, to personal freedoms, and this whole world that I had no idea was out there before. And it just launched this whole passion project uh, for almost the last decade now. So were you part of a, um, a political group on campus at the time, or you just happened to hear this, this guy talk and, and just decided you wanted him there? You know, I 
had I, I knew that there were college Republicans, I knew there were college Democrats, and following Gary Johnson coming there, I actually learned after he was there, that there was also college libertarians um, on campus already. Uh, so that became a home for me throughout my time uh, as an undergrad um, to to really dig into this stuff. But no, it was it was very much organic, and um, I happened to you know have I think it was Glenn Beck on the radio at that point. He was you know talking a lot of libertarian ideas, and um, Gary's name was. Becoming more and more common. So Glenn Beck and Gary Johnson led you down the path. And, and you know, we give a lot of flack to to Gary on the show a lot of times. Everybody knows about many of his famous campaign gaffes and his odd mannerisms and stuff like that. But you never know, you know, when, when you're in the sort of the libertarian bubble that we're kind of living here now, it's easy to criticize everyone from that point of view. But when you're outside of that bubble, you know, a lot of different things can bring you into the ideas. And sometimes it's just hearing somebody who, dis- despite all his flaws, Gary Johnson is is pretty damn solid on a lot of things. I mean, he was really a maverick when it came to legalizing marijuana. And even if if we see somebody who maybe isn't spreading the libertarian message as we see it to outside people, just hearing something a little different, not even a little different, I'd say drastically different uh, from what the Democrats and Republicans are putting out there, just that can get them interested enough to dig into things a little bit further and develop the ideas from there. Absolutely. And that's honestly one of my favorite things about Gary personally is, you know, I do not agree with everything that comes out of his mouth, not by a long shot, but at the same time, as someone who had never been exposed to those ideas before and someone who had just never even been open to this strain of thought, holy cow, what a, what a just, you know, friendly face, a welcoming attitude to bring someone into the party uh, in a really great way, which I appreciated uh, as someone uh, sitting in that position at the time. Sure. I mean, when you're new to politics or new to hearing these ideas, you're not going to get all obsessed and fired up over maybe some random comment about baking a cake, whereas someone <laughs> who's way further down the path and is, is deep into the ideas of libertarianism and private property rights, they're going to hear that and get triggered and just go crazy. So it really all is all a matter of perspective in many ways. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so that was about a, 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 close to a decade ago when you really started started down this path. And uh, how have things gone for you since then, kind of philosophically and, and, and politically? I mean, how has your politics changed, uh, your views of libertarianism since that time when you first were introduced to those ideas? It has been a very busy last couple of years for the libertarian movement nationally. And it's been kind of fun, honestly, to spend all of this time working with people across the spectrum. Because I, I think as as we look at libertarianism right now, we're seeing this whole movement of pragmatic libertarians, of you know hardcore old old school libertarians, and then people who you know there's a libertarian for every different category now. So me personally, being able to interact with all these people as Larry Sharp has become big, as you know Dale Kearns in Pennsylvania continues to you know move and change things in, in what is now my home state of Pennsylvania, um, it's been really fascinating to see how the movement has changed. And for me, it's it's really become more about education and spreading the message and being able to overcome a lot of the initial objections to someone saying something like, oh, a libertarian will never win. And I love getting that kind of a comment because now more than ever, I feel so confident that I can say that was yesterday and we're looking forward. And there's so much opportunity for this party and for people who love freedom and the principles that the Libertarian Party is all about. There's so much opportunity right now, 2018, 2020, and 
and beyond. And I guess you seeing this opportunity is, I, I assume, in some way, what led you to create this pack, the Better Money Pack. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, where this idea first came from, and, and what motivated you to, uh, I imagine, you to fill out a ton of paperwork and, <laughs> and annoying, boring stuff like that to start something like this. So what actually inspired you to get in there and do all the legwork and get this thing going? I was at the uh, and the Fed event in Philadelphia in the beginning of September, just two months ago. And the end the Fed event, obviously, was a ton of people getting together uh, outside the Federal Reserve in Philly to really make a statement. We had people there from all across the country, up and down the East Coast, uh, represented very strongly uh, people involved in cryptocurrency. We had Nexus there. We had live bands. We had speakers for hours. We actually blocked off the entire block in Philly right across from the Liberty Bell which is an amazing location. It got a lot of people interested. But for me, as I was there and talking to people, the conversation consistently returned to frustration and the difficulties that everyone across the spectrum is having getting candidates who are fiscally responsible, candidates who support and understand cryptocurrency, candidates who are going to fight for free market solutions. The beginning of September is right before we crossed uh, $20 trillion in debt as a country. And so there is a lot of concern. So for me, you know, walking away from that day, I'll be honest, I was pretty frustrated. It was a lot of thoughts going through my head about if everyone's down and, and, and out, where do we go from here? So for me, that really resulted in you know, sitting down, taking a look at what different options are out there for someone who wants to make a difference in this space. And where I arrived was a super PAC, a super political action committee that allows us to support not based on politics, but based on principles, which I think is so important and one of the key points about what will make us successful as a party, as a movement, is the principles that back us up. And before we go too much further on the pack, why don't you just take a second and out to just tell people out there who may not know what exactly is a is a super PAC? What is what kind of legal responsibilities and abilities does it have uh, in the political realm? How is it different from say other political organizations that uh, one might do- donate to, or or different from you know directly supporting a candidate? So a super PAC is founded around principles, and we are actually limited in that we are not even legally able to cut a check directly to a candidate. And in my mind, as I looked at that, I think that's pretty cool because it allows us to actually stand on principles. And you know, I really build this uh, political action committee as a nonpartisan effort. And so as we look at this issue, I mean, I want Trump supporters who re- really genuinely want to drain the swamp. And I want Bernie supporters who are frustrated by the behavior of big banks. I want crypto investors and at the end of the day, I think I want moms and dads who want a more stable financial future. And a super PAC allows us to take in and spend funds in unlimited amounts, not tied to the success or failure or shortcomings of an individual person, but instead tied to this principled action, which is so much more important. And it's hopefully a more resonating message with a majority of people. So you think almost the fact that it is detached from normal politics in a way is, is actually an advantage in the sense that you can sort of broaden the tent, focus on, on these specific tenants, these three core tenants, which I believe are uh, what cryptocurrencies, free markets, and fiscal responsibility. If you can focus on, on that sort of thing, you can maybe get people from some varying walks of life who can, who can at least agree on, on these main issues. 
I think that that's spot on. Yes. Why did you specifically decide to focus on those core tenets on only sort of economic ideas? I guess. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, topics that our libertarians are very passionate about, whether it's the war on drugs or foreign affairs. Those are kind of the things that really got me uh, into the ideas of liberty. So why did you decide to focus on specifically the sort of the money side of it, the cryptocurrencies, free markets, fiscal responsibility? What's the what's the intent of that? Right around the time that this idea came to fruition, as we started filing paperwork with the FEC, uh, you know, we did end up crossing that $20 trillion mark in our national debt, which is just a a huge cause for concern. And at the same time, we started hearing more and more about people who were getting arrested or uh, cryptocurrency exchanges being shut down. So those two became very timely and very important when I looked at the market and I realized we're looking at billions and billions of dollars, hundreds of thousands of people in the crypto space who do not currently have anyone representing them in the legislative space. And for us to be able to, you know, bring our expertise to the table and actually focus on education oriented solutions to educate not just candidates, not just the public, but actually offer education through our partnerships to people who are already in office and some of whom have been there since before the invention of the computer. You know, that is that's the real goal is to increase the dialogue and increase the conversation. That, that is not an exaggeration. Either. <laughs> I'm quite certain that John McCain might have been in office before the first you know, personal computer was out. Yeah, yeah. easily <laughs> with a couple of decades to spare. Um, right. yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, I want to make sure I hit this, too. Um, when we talk about free market solutions in an economic sense, that is definitely the case. Free markets. But I do want to to be very clear that free market solutions can be applied in so many settings. And whether we're looking at the opioid crisis or looking at uh, so many of the you know foreign intervention strategies the United States has taken, I think free market solutions play a role in, in making those right and making the right decisions for people to move forward. Um, so I, I definitely we definitely expand that definition in a wide way to make sure that we're addressing the broader problems, not just economics. I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but since you kind of mentioned it, can you think of something or is there an example of something that might have a free market solution, like an an objection that most people would bring to you saying, well, clearly at least this needs to be focused on by the government. This requires legislation, but is there something like that that you can quickly, you know, kind of retort with? Well, no, actually, if you look at it this way, we can, we can provide a free market solution for that. Is there anything that comes to mind for you? Well, I think when you're looking at, you know, something as simple as peer-to-peer transactions, I think when we look at selecting candidates and, and the first month, we were actually approved by the FEC on October 2nd, 2017 to start collecting funds. So in the last month, the big bulk of what we've been doing is reaching out to experts in the crypto field to discuss what actually makes sense for them as a business. And the vast majority of people want to have fraud protection. And so we're open to that. But at the same time, what we're seeing currently in the financial space is, well, should there be fraud protection for uh, peer-to-peer transactions or should there be other aspects of, of direct transfer of wealth that you need to have intervention and oversight for? And the beautiful thing about it is the free market solution is blockchain technology. 
where you can have smart contracts, where you can have very clearly established boundaries that allow those transfers to happen and eliminate the need for the middleman, which is where we end up losing money in taxes or losing money to an intermediary in a government situation where someone is taking a piece of the pie instead of putting the difference in your pocket. I mean, we kind of get screwed at every end when it comes to the normal solutions uh, when it relates to fraud. Because first, on one end, you have the person, let's say it's you, who gets frauded. Uh, whether maybe you wake up one day and you see a bunch of charges on your credit card, uh, usually the bank will take care of that. But that money is still being lost. And then you have the other side of it, where now you have government agencies that are out there running around trying to, you know, ar- arrest people for fraud, find Bernie Madoff, um, <laughs> spend millions and millions of dollars on a trial, uh, and all of this money just goes to waste. Where uh, you know. You're not really preventing future fraud a lot of the times, whereas with the crypto technology, you're actually stopping fraud before it's even able to occur. Yeah, I mean, one thing people across the board, regardless of their political background, tend to agree on is that government is a slow adopter. So they tend to be behind the curve when it comes to catching up to crimes, criminal behaviors. You know, we can be five to even 10 years behind sometimes. Uh, from an intervention standpoint. And when you start looking at central control and people trying to make these decisions about how to address a situation, it oftentimes it's already too late. Can you detail a little bit for people that aren't really into the uh, the cryptocurrencies and that sort of thing, exactly why you feel they're so important, not just for issues of fraud like we just discussed, but just for the economy in general, for uh, protecting our money from you know the Federal Reserve and that sort of thing. What are, what are some of the most important uh, roles of cryptocurrencies? In my mind, the most important role of cryptocurrency is allowing me to do what I will with mine own. To steal a phrase from uh, Fisher there, um, what we're looking at is economic freedom. What we're looking at is allowing people to buy what they need and engage in a system of trust. And so many times we have to establish trust in so many different ways and a lot of times in, in our current situation, it has to do with a rubber stamp by someone in an office in Washington or our state capitals who is trying to make an objective decision, but they themselves as humans can be susceptible to the same sorts of you know, fraudulent behaviors. They themselves are not perfect systems. Not to say that crypto itself is, is perfect, but the technology underlying it can fix so many of those problems and allow us to communicate in a transparent way that's so different than anything we've been able to do before. And more importantly, we can automate it and do it in such a way that you know we can actually deal as people instead of having to go through this this intermediary. What do you think are some of the challenges that are, are going to face cryptocurrencies going forward? And I'm more so thinking of challenges from legislation, the kind of challenges that you might be fighting with your with your political action committee here. I mean, every time some new technology or new anything, whether it's a drug, uh, a medical technology, the internet, eventually there's some politicians, many of whom, like you mentioned, might have not been born uh, well before or even, even been in office before the computer was invented. Uh, just uh, start dreaming up legislation they can write to try to restrict, regulate, and that sort of thing. So what sort of challenges do you see on that end in regards to cryptocurrencies? Honestly, you just hit the nail on the head. For what I am worried about every single day and every single person who I'm reaching out to who is an expert in this field across the country is worried about the role of education leading to the creation of laws. Like we were talking about, people who are making the laws may not have this ability to understand what's going on. And and what you've seen, unfortunately, is 
you know, this rash of arrests in the last week or two. People keep getting charged with a crime for selling Bitcoin under the guise of, you know, quote unquote, operating in a legal money transmission business when the whole point of the currency in general is to, you know, cut the government out of the middle and allow us to make those decisions for ourselves. Um, when we're looking at some of these uh decisions coming out, holding of Bitcoin and cash and other assets without informing the government, there are states where that is illegal right now. And more legislation is rolling out every day. And that's not necessarily uh, a result of anything other than people who are making these rules being misinformed. And that's something that we hope to change, uh, even if it's just through changing the conversation and allowing people to reach out to resources that we recommend. Our perfect world is you know, being able to implement our own free market solution where we can actually provide this education uh, to the public, to elected officials, and uh, to folks who are currently running. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I know you're a, you're a Felony Friday fan. I'm sure you heard John's interview with uh, Randall Lord, who uh, was sentenced to 46 months in prison. I believe he's currently in prison right now for buying and selling Bitcoins, uh, quote unquote, without a license. And uh, that's really scary because there's regular people that are dealing in Bitcoin all over the place. And if this can happen to this man, I think there's more involved here. They try to tie it in with his son uh, selling some weed and, and that kind of thing and tried to lump it all together in one and, and you know make it a narcotics distribution charge but they were really completely unrelated things and then now he's he's behind bars because of it so uh, it is a very real threat out there so is, is this going to be one of the primary focuses of the better money pack absolutely I think if I remember correctly those guys were facing uh, you know five years in jail three years of supervised release and 250 thousand in fines if I remember correctly I mean Who's that serving? Yeah, and his his son actually got um, Randall only got forty six months only, uh, but his son actually got a hundred and six months. So yeah, I think that might be that more than well more than five years. Hopefully, he won't be serving at all. But yeah, it's just it's just crazy. I think the question needs to be asked: Who is this serving? Who is this good for? It's certainly not good for the the tax dollars that we have to spend to prosecute these people. It's not good for them who were you know selling Bitcoin to. What I'm guessing uh, was a willing participant in the transaction. Um, there's just so many aspects of this. <laughs> yeah, I doubt he was forcing uh, forcing Bitcoin down someone's throat. Exactly. Which you couldn't even do because it's not even a physical. Thing. <laughs> well, yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know, if they were forcing uh, Bitcoin down their throat, then the <laughs> asset has appreciated in value significantly since um, they did. So, um, yes, this is a huge focus. This is a huge, huge focus because. As this continues to grow and become a problem, as we see it across across the board, over regulation. By no stretch of the imagination, do I agree with you know most of or of the things that Donald Trump has done as the presidency. But at the same time, one thing I do commend him for is taking a stand on decreasing regulations. And I think that over the course of time, you know, his standard of if you are going to create a new regulation, you need to eliminate two. That's one way that leadership in all levels of government and in all different areas are going to have to take a serious look at what what makes sense and what is necessary versus, hey, what can we really do away with and be efficient and functional? And that's all we're looking for is more efficiency, more functionality, and freeing people to make their own decisions. 
what do you think about some of these major money players like uh, you know JP Morgan? Uh, I know Jamie Dimon said something about Bitcoin being a fraud at one point, uh, but then he went and uh, now they're they're actually getting into the Bitcoin business. So do you think even even these major financial players who would be threatened by Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies they seem to be uh, changing their tune a little bit and uh, finding out how they can can cash in on this, so to speak? So I mean, I, I guess this, this might be a sign that it's just becoming more mainstream. But uh, like we just said, when something becomes more mainstream, more well known, it's also more likely to be regulated, especially when you get um, these big players like JP Morgan on board. So, I mean, it's it's really kind of an uphill battle I think you're, you're going to be facing here, but probably a worthy one. Yes. And one of my biggest worries about uh, an organization like that, not them specifically, but any large corporation that has financial um, background in this sphere in general and finance, my biggest concern is that they would create a digital currency but not necessarily a true cryptocurrency and that it's a free market solution and then they'd market it as the same thing as bitcoin and then roll it out to people with the exact same rules regulations and problems that they currently offer just with a you know a hot new tagline on it which uh, itself uh, in my mind falls under the category of you know fraudulent behavior uh, it needs to the be... jp morgan coin <laughs> exactly now with a new name and that's it that's the only thing that's different um that's uh, that's my biggest worry in that space because yeah any smart business that's looking at blockchain that's looking at crypto they they would be have to be crazy to not take a step to adopt in some form. So do you really think cryptocurrencies are really taking off? Because when I think about cryptocurrencies in the sense of, you know, I, I'm sort of, like I said, in this libertarian bubble, I see people talking about it every day. Uh, every single day, I see people talking about Bitcoin, uh, you know, how it's jumping up in price, when it when it takes a crash, uh, you always hear the news on Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies until you get off Facebook. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. Until I get out of that bubble and go into the real world or go to work and go to a bar and no one knows what the hell this thing is. So as much it might, as it might seem big to us right now, I think in the grand scheme, there is just insane amounts of room to grow. So how, how much, I mean, you're a little bit younger than me, Connor. So I mean, do people uh, do kind of your age, do they have more interest in this kind of stuff? Is it is it picking up in sort of non-libertarian communities from from what you can see. You know, it's a really funny story, but I actually, the, the, the point in time that I knew Bitcoin had really, really hit an important point in market penetration is when I got a call from a guy who I played softball with who works for Amazon in a warehouse. He called me in the morning about how to get Bitcoin and how to access it and how to use it. And in the afternoon, my grandfather, who's 75 years old, gave me a call and said, hey, I'm interested in this Bitcoin thing. How do I get it? How do I wow. use it? And as, as soon as I heard those two in the same day, I said, all right, this is something else entirely because it's no longer just traveling among you know, highly computer literate groups. These are entirely different groups of people. Neither one of them you know, would, would themselves claim to be you know, tech experts um, in any way, shape or form. So uh, it, it was really a cool moment for me. And it was uh, you know, when I personally made sure that I was uh, buying in a little bit more to um, hedge, on, hedge on that uh, moving forward. Right. I, I think the grandparent test is a pretty good one yeah. in terms of <laughs> new technologies and that kind of thing, and just seeing if something is actually making headwaves outside of, of your bubble, whether it's a uh, you know your friend's bubble or your political bubble. Uh, I think that's a pretty good test. So that's definitely telling. Exactly. Exactly. 
I know many of you are facing major decisions with your healthcare right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own healthcare and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see, what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat. Along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care, Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. Uh, Connor, I want to tick back a little bit. I mean, I, you mentioned that you know what part of what inspired you to start this pack was going to this end the Fed rally and you know getting really learning more about the Federal Reserve. Uh, when you look at the Better Money Pack and, and the three tenants, you talk about cryptocurrencies, free markets, fiscal responsibility. I don't actually see the Federal Reserve actually mentioned on there. So is that is that something you do plan to focus on uh, with your political action? Uh, is is that going to be sort of a a bar? I mean, I'm kind of curious what kind of check marks check boxes you have uh, for supporting candidates and that, and that sort of thing. Is the Federal Reserve definitely uh, something that's on that list for you? The Federal Reserve and and financial transparency in general is on that list. Absolutely, and you hit on something really important there too, which is. All right, hey, it sounds great to say, hey, we'd love to, you know, collect some checks and do some good with them, but what are the standards for actually making that happen? And our goal is actually to sit down and interview candidates. Where in in 2018, our goals are relatively small. As a newer organization, we want to set, um, you know, conservative goals. We're only looking to put together about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to support four or five candidates nationwide. We really want to be able to focus on doing this right and making sure that the people who we support are all about the right things, that they're definitely invested in our three core tenants. So we're actually already, we've received 45 requests for funding in the first three weeks of being able to uh, accept money. So we definitely have people who are interested and people who are wanting to get more involved in this, but we're going to make them prove it. We're going to actually make them discuss, hey, what have you done to promote financial responsibility as a private citizen and now as a potentially elected official? What are your plans for cryptocurrency? What is common sense legislation for you? What would you propose? Uh, you know, Where else could you uh, implement free market solutions to make your state, county, or this country better? Um, so those those benchmarks and having those honest conversations, though as a super PAC, we can't legally collaborate with these candidates. What we can do is sure as heck make sure that they're the right people for the job before we throw our support behind them. Yeah, I imagine it, you can get into some sticky territory because at one hand, you really want to, if you're going to have a pack that really is about these principles, you need to make sure that anybody you're supporting really does hold them or at least holds them to at least some amount of standard. Obviously, you're not going to agree with, find you know candidates that agree with 100% of everything at all times, but you at least need to make sure they're at least in support of, of those, those three core tenants you mentioned. At the same time, like you said, you can't really 
actually coordinate with them legally. So is that kind of a bit of a, of a, a type wrote you have to walk? I mean, could an interview with a candidate be construed um, by the FEC or something like that as a collaboration and that sort of thing? So how, how do you approach that? One of the most important things that I would recommend to anybody in a potential situation like that is have a good lawyer. Um, you know, <laughs> be able to ask questions. Uh, and that's certainly our path is being able to ask questions. You know, I can tell you, I'm on the phone with the FEC three times a week. And I have a, you know, the one thing I will say for that FEC. Sounds like a blast. uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's been a process, but one thing I will say for them is they are, I, I have never waited on the line for more than five minutes. And I always get the same representative assigned to me. So he knows where I'm at and he's uh, like, he is assigned to my organization to answer my question. It's just uh, Bob from the FEC you get every time, huh? Yeah. And so he's there and, you know, being able to ask these questions and, uh, you know, he doesn't know everything, but if he doesn't know, he's always going to find out. Um, So are you actually telling me there's a government organization that's not that bad to work with? What I'm telling you (laughs) is that I came across one individual who seems to be very, very helpful. So maybe it's Bob himself. I don't know why I've labeled him as Bob. but Yeah, Bob works as well as anything. Um, But yeah, so uh, walking that tightrope, though, is is a delicate balance. Uh, and it's something that, uh, anybody jumping into this, uh, always, always double check before you do anything. Uh, cause the last thing you want to do is be working to do the right thing and end up on the wrong side, uh, simply because you didn't do your homework. Uh, one more issue I want to dig into it a little bit more is one that seems to get glossed over a lot, at least amongst the general populace. But I, I feel like with the election of Donald Trump, this issue has really gone to the wayside, uh, especially for Republicans. I mean, it's always been to the wayside for Democrats. But and that's the issue that you talked about earlier of the that twenty trillion dollars in debt. I rarely meet a person that thinks this is a big deal for whatever reason. It's it's just usually brushed off by uh, you know I read a Paul Krugman column and he said it was fine. So uh, what what do you tell people who just are not really concerned about twenty trillion in debt? Why is this such a problem, and and what are the potential implications from for continuing continuing to build this debt, which unfortunately seems to just be keep keep going in that same direction under the Trump administration? Absolutely. So the debt itself, there is a whole school of thought out there that says, hey, listen, the debt's not a big idea, not a big deal for one very simple reason. The United States is never going to stop printing money. And on its surface, that actually is not a terrible argument when you look at the economics behind it. However, what you run into as you start to see, as we will, uh, the inflation rate is going to rise. The interest rates are going to continue to go up here as the country gets more and more, quote, stable. And the impact of rising rates and a national debt can be hugely problematic. And that's the biggest thing that I recommend that people take a serious look at before they make a decision one way or the other. I I work in personal finance. I help people make and save money for retirement professionally. So when I sit down and I look at this situation, you know, I see someone who's spending much more than they're making. And this is a this is a problem that we've actually seen. Uh, Stanley Fisher, um, you know, NPR is writing about this. So we we're seeing people on both sides of the aisle now. Um, whether it's uh, Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen talking about how she is going to uh, raise rates and how that's coming, or Stanley Fisher, who you know uh, was the vice chair of the Federal Reserve, these people, even though they are part of these organizations. They themselves are recognizing that this is a problem, and if they're recognizing it a problem and they are in it every day and they're willing to speak publicly about it, 
in my mind, that says it's something we should be paying attention to and taking a firm stand on and do something about it. All right. One more thing I wanted to ask you. I'm, I'm sure you've heard this kind of attitude before from other libertarians, and that's just the general attitude that political action is A, either pointless or B, uh, actually corrupt and immoral itself because uh, even if you're some some will argue that even if you're doing things like trying to repeal laws repeal regulations you're still using that quote force of government on other people right. uh, what do you say to people that are generally might agree with a lot of your views especially when it comes to cryptocurrencies ending the Federal Reserve but still hesitate to actually take that step and donate to a political cause donate to a political action committee because they just don't see it as as the proper path or or constructive path or that kind of thing how do you convince people that this really is a way that can uh, actually see some real change out there? That's a great question. And the honest answer is if there are folks that don't feel like this is the right path forward, I'm always happy to talk to them, always happy to have a conversation. But as an organization, we don't believe in forcing you to do anything either. We think that this is a path forward because it happens to be a pragmatic approach to dealing with real problems. Whether we like it or not, this system exists and the system is out there and the system is causing serious problems simply because you live in this country. And at that point, we do have the option to try to hide and try to avoid it and you know, stand on the idea of not acting in government at all. But government's going to continue to act and government's going to continue to do things that impact your day-to-day -day life. And if that starts impacting you, impacting your spouse, impacting your kids, there has to be some sort of breaking point. And my worry is that if you stand back for too long when you could be doing something, it'll end up being too late. So basically, you're, you're trying to take a pragmatic approach to making very radical changes. Absolutely. I think that you know, as, as we look at this, especially as a, as a nonpartisan organization, me, myself, I'm a libertarian, and I'm very, very happy with that, and that is my personal decision. But I think that there is a way to unify people around the ideas of, you know, as I said before, draining the, draining the swamp, doing something about the behavior of big banks, and really taking a serious look as parents – about how to build a stable future for your kids. Now, and, and people might you know, hear that phrase, draining the swamp, and immediately associate it with Donald Trump and that sort of thing and say, well, look, he's not even really draining the swamp. But I think you can often take the words of politicians, even when they are not backing them up and, and turn them back around on them. You can say, yeah, well, uh, Trump's not doing it, so now it's our job. Now it's our job to go in and drain that swamp. And I, I think you can often use phrases like that um, to your advantage without actually you know, supporting the person who originated it. So I, I think it's a, a perfectly uh, wonderful phrase to, to use, not just on the, uh, the establishment that was there pre-Trump, but on Trump, <laughs> on Trump and the people he's putting into place. Absolutely. And I can guarantee you that there are millions of Americans out there who are sitting in their living rooms saying, what the heck is he doing? I was promised that the swamp was going to get drained. Where do we go from here? And I think that that's, I mean, that's a call to action in my mind. That's a call that stand up. I, I tell people this all the time. It is okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset with the way things are. But at some point, you have to stand up and you have to do something about it. All right, Connor. Well, that's a hell of a final pitch if I ever heard one. Uh, before I let you go, why don't you just do one quick uh, go around of how people can learn more about the Better Money Pack, how they can, of course, send you guys money because that's what you need, and uh, where the, how they can reach out to you and, and you know answer any questions they might have about, about it and, and getting involved in that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we can be found easily on Facebook. Uh, just search Better Money PAC, Better Money Pack. We can be found at Better Money Pack. Dot com. 
Uh, you could shoot me personally an email at hello at bettermoneypack.com. Um, or uh, for actually getting involved on the financial side, if you do believe that this is something uh, where you can make a really big difference um, by through a financial contribution, we accept checks, credit, debit, all that information is on our website. And we also accept all forms of cryptocurrency, um, which is really great. So we have QR codes and uh, ways to donate using your uh, cryptocurrency right through our website. All right, Connor Dragotis, it's been a blast and best of luck to everything you're doing. Thanks so much, Mark. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed my conversation there with Connor Dragotis of the Better Money Pack. By the way, Connor mentioned to me off air that they are hiring as well, uh, media people, marketing people, fundraising people. So uh, if you are not only interested in possibly donating to the Better Money Pack, but perhaps working with them, you can reach out to Connor again at that address, hello at bettermepack.com. And it's funny because, you know, as much as we have criticized Gary Johnson on this show, uh, especially over the course of the, the Libertarian Party's election process, and uh, afterwards during the general election and the run-up to that. You know, despite all of that and all of the very valid criticisms of the Gary Johnson campaign, of his running mate Bill Weld, despite all of that, you never really know how someone is going to find out about the ideas of liberty. Not about the ideas themselves, but just the fact that they exist. And I do think that third-party candidates, even extremely flawed ones, if they can get the airwaves, if they can get out there and are speaking about the idea is, even if they're not speaking of them in the way you might want, even if they're not even getting it all right, <laughs> um, even if they're saying things that are kind of completely off the board, just the fact that they're out there um, saying, look, there's another way, there's another path, that alone is often enough to get someone interested to dig into things a lot further and eventually uh, do their own political action in many ways that you might end up actually approving of. So uh, that may just be the case with Connor Drugotis, if you uh, if you enjoyed what you heard from him today. So please do check out the Better Money Pack. While you're out there interneting, check out a few other things. You might want to check out our friends at Donor C. We are still funding various projects related to not only Houston now, but also to the Puerto Rico recovery. Be sure to follow Clint Rankin and his group Walk the Walk. We'll, of course, link to all of this in today's show notes over at lionsofliberty.com slash 320. The Donor C app is just the greatest way I have seen to, to give directly to people in need. So I really want to get back to making sure I'm encouraging 
you guys every week to check out those various projects that we are supporting. Uh, Clint is always posting them over in the Lions of Liberty Forum, our Facebook group. If you're not in there and you are on Facebook, please come on and join the conversation. We really do have a great time over there. Uh, a lot of our guests that are on the show are often in there interacting with people. And if you just can't get enough from all that... You might want to consider joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. For 25 bucks a month, you get to hop on a conference call with the rest of the hosts, with me and John, and uh, talk about the show. Give us your direct input. In many ways, those $25 level Pride members are really helping to shape the show as it goes forward. So be sure to check that out over at lionsofliberty.com slash support. Also, at that $25 level, I should mention, you get a couple free t-shirts, uh, free koozie. You get all sorts of free stuff, and including a huge discount over at our Lions of Liberty store, which you can find at lionsofliberty.store. If you don't have 25 bucks to chip in, just want to give us 10 bucks a month, you still get a free t-shirt, you still get a discount, not as much of one, but a pretty damn good discount, and access to all our exclusive audio. Otherwise, five bucks a month, you still get all the exclusive audio that all the other Pride members get, as well as entry into our secret Facebook group. That's right, we have a secret Pride Facebook group where we talk about all sorts of things that you're not going to know until you get in there. So if you would be so inclined... Please do go ahead and check out the Lions of Liberty Pride because, I mean, you know, for for over three years, John, Brian, and myself funded this operation entirely on our own. So finally, we have decided to ask for a little bit of help, not just in covering our costs, which we are already doing, but in upgrading our audio equipment and eventually purchasing some ads and really doing a huge marketing campaign to really spread the word about the show and ultimately about the ideas of liberty because that is why we're here. That's why the three of us show up three days a week and a lot more if you're a Pride member because we do a ton of bonus shows. Uh, But that's why we keep doing this and keep plugging away because we do really feel that this conversation is important and any ways we can get it out there to more and more people to more and more of those earbuds out there we're going to do it along with your help Uh, until next time folks do not forget this coming Wednesday you got Brian McWilliams with Electric Liberty Land your weekly shot of comedy culture and liberty and of course John Odermatt wraps things up every single Friday with his look at the broken criminal justice system on Felony Friday be sure to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss anything until next time folks live love and live free.